Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's a very exciting day here at Second Captains as we await the arrival of a select group of World Service members for our first live event in our new studios, which takes place later this evening as Roddy Collins and Paul Howard land in to talk about their new book, The Rodfather. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. Hey, on. How are you? The way the office is set up here, just to paint a picture for people, we have, there's a ground floor where we do our bits and bobs downstairs. Then we walk upstairs to record from this studio. Where mezzanine we're level. Yeah. yeah, a mezzanine level, exactly. And outside this studio, along the same mezzanine level, there is an open area, which is where we'll be sitting later. And the seats are set up out there already. Mm-hmm. We'll be sitting there with the Rodfather himself. Well, the big 99 with loads of raspberry <laughs> ah, sauce on it. Preach. It's a, what I'm saying is it's a very Rodfather vibe out there because our audience will be sitting downstairs on some chairs, which we've got ready for them there. The Rodfather will be above them, sort of preaching down. Yeah, yeah. Lording it up down a car town beach. Lording it up. He will be That's literally up. exactly what he's, what he's going to be doing there, which reminds me of one of the many... I see the book is in front of you there, Ken. There's a lot of funny stuff. I've stories. been reading the book, Alan. This is a pretty funny book. There's one bit in it which he talks about the christening of his son. When it came to naming him, there wasn't even a debate. He was going to be Roderick. If I had to go through life with that awful name, then my firstborn son should have to do it too. It would be character building. I had this mad idea for the christening that I was going to introduce Roderick to everyone by carrying him into the room like the last emperor of China on a sort of ceremonial chair that I was going to make myself. But wiser heads prevailed. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the vibe out here today. I think there's a bit of a last emperor of China set up for About 22 chocolates. Uh, it is, yeah. It's, it's a lot of funny stories. None of them, it's kind of like quick bang funny story onto the next. Uh, there's some poignant stuff in there as well. I don't want to say it's just mm. all gags in The Rodfather, but there's <laughs> 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 plenty of funny stuff in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at her. You know, his um, his wife, Caroline, they weren't married at the time though, has got pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, You'd better look after her, her ma said, pointing a warning finger at me. Mrs. Hanny, I said, I promise, I always will. Later on, during the Celtic Tiger years, we'd be drinking Vuvkliko. Have I pronounced Vuvkliko? Out of a set of Waterford crystal glasses that I bought in the market and which turned out to be dessert bowls. And I'd say, there you are, Caroline, didn't I tell you, man? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, nice helpings of champagne. Tonight's chat with Roddy and Paul Howard. We're going tomorrow for World Service members. We'll also be covering the midweek Premier League football secondcaptains.com five or a month plus fat if you're not already a member it's going to be a lot of fun tonight and that will be played for World Service members going to be talking to Shane Horgan on this podcast ahead of Leinster and Munster meeting for the first time this season next Saturday Simon how are you? 
Hey lads, how are you? Well, I'm disappointed in you, Simon. What's all this you've been telling me about Munster struggling under their new coaching team to string two passes together for the last few weeks? I was looking at them at the weekend. They look pretty good in beating the Bulls with a bonus point ahead of the game against Leinster. Yeah, and this wasn't coming. You know, there was no sign of any former confidence. And the Bulls are a pretty good side, made the final of the competition last year. Carberry was man of the match, kicked all his goals, but just started to express himself a little bit. And it was kind of a reminder that uh, Mike Prendergast has come in as their attack coach and he ultimately has been coaching Racing 92 for the last few years, has the likes of Finn Russell and Teddy Thoma and these guys in the team. So he's used to a team that tries things, express themselves, uh, aim to be creative and make a load of mistakes in the process. And I just wonder for Carberry if that message is starting to go through. He's always like, he looks like he's been playing within himself since he came back from the injury, but like it's okay to try things and them not come off. And that might really suit his mindset. Now, look, he still made loads of errors and so did Casey, but it was just an absolute sea change from the week before when admittedly he was playing full back but he's played out half as well this year and looked just bereft of confidence and it was a whole new Carberry uh, it was a whole new Munster scored tries and the other major positive for them was their fringe players Dogbo uh, Tom Ahern came yeah. on Shane Daly at full back Jack Crowley a lot of those on the emerging Ireland tour Crowley in particular he was the star of this Ireland emerging team that went to South Africa a few, few weeks potentially a star of the making. Ron O'Gara rates him really highly. That should ring alarm bells for any coach here who might have him um, under them that this guy has potential if O'Gara thinks he's good. The fact that Farrell and Cat brought him on the tour means they rate him. And uh, he just has this spark about him. He looks kind of cocky and confident, uh, has an unbelievable sidestep, has a running game, but more than anything, just seems to have a natural confidence. So not just did we have Carberry playing better, the guy who I think should probably be next to him and pushing Carberry for that 10 spot looked really good too. And then a bunch of these young players looking like they might could, they could change the season still. Things looking up for Munster without getting too carried away. They're also looking up for this competition in recent times. I know mm. you kind of... You know, we're in the situation where the champions, you know, where the, the European rugby, I don't know if it feels as though m- maybe the URC are in a position where they can close the gap in terms of perception. Because it is strange. In most sports, you've got a domestic competition and a European competition, uh, certainly when you think of football. And it depends on each team what the priority might be. But, you know, often it's quite even. Whereas there's always been the situation within Irish rugby, the way it's been mm. structured, that it's just all about Europe. You know, yep. if you can do something in the Pro 14, that, that's great. Uh, but particularly where Munster at the moment, obviously a Pro 14 title would be amazing for them regardless. But just in general, the competition seems to have picked up a fair bit of steam, I think, since the South Africans came in to shake things up a little bit. It really has. Like, it, you know, the usual pretenders are playing well, but the main takeaway five games in is just how much better it is exactly than a few years ago. And it is almost all down to the South Africans coming into it. But when you compare it to to the English Premiership with its current woes, uh, Wasps and Worcester going into administration, with the European Cup, you say it doesn't start until December. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind anyway. And even then has this strange new format. And even then, you look at Leinster last year, they played a couple of pudding teams. So they basically didn't start Europe until the following year. And then it often features English and French sides who don't care about it, aren't very good, play their B or C team. That's the middle of a World Cup as well, by the way. Well, it's towards the end of the World Cup, but it's yeah, no, no, ninth, tenth of December. Yeah, I mean the World Cup would be going strong at that stage. Yeah, knockout knockout stage is a World Cup. Mm. It's it's look, yeah. rugby has its own base of fans who will be big into that anyway. But that's going to struggle to get one hundred percent general sort of sports fans interest. Yeah. So in relative terms, the league, which obviously is now called the URC, is the best it's ever looked. It's got better players, obviously better teams more tries, more attack-minded teams, like the Sharks and the Stormers in particular who've come into it. And Ulster, 
Ulster have scored 190 points in five games. So they're averaging five tries a game, 38 points a game. And it's not as if they're kind of mid-table and exciting. They're being rewarded for that approach. They're second in the table. Uh, could have beaten Leinster a few weeks ago. Could or should have beaten them. And got their first win away to a South African team this weekend. So it's not just that the South African team's coming in. There's a couple Edinburgh and Ulster are also starting to play that way. Um, the biggest thing, though, I think it's just there's more jeopardy in each game. Like, the South African teams, even when they're not playing well, you see the Bulls of the weekend, they didn't play particularly well. But they have, a, like, a spikiness to them, a bit like their national mm. team. And when they're not playing well, they still have that kind of spite about them. It's creating rivalries. And, you know, Leinster and Munster now fear them, obviously, as well. Like, we've been playing the Welsh teams for 20 years now, and no one loves or hates them or cares for them in any deep way. Even the Welsh fans don't feel that way. And then within, like, a few months of us playing the South African teams, like, we really want to beat them, besides the fact that they're in our league. And so you have a, 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 a relatively humdrum fixture, like... Munster had the other day yep. but because it's against a really good team a South African team yep. who we know almost won the whole thing last year yep. a win against them suddenly has everyone feeling good and feeling something which you don't feelings, feel against the feeling something is exactly the, the, the feeling you got yeah. from it and when when somebody say like Carberry performs well in that atmosphere against a better defence then he knows he's done something. Well, there's, there's no point doing it against Zebra or the Dragons. You know, you, no, no, they lost the Dragons, but you know what I mean? <laughs> he, he comes away from that, not just saying, oh, I did something. I did something against the Bulls. Let's hear from Shane. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. Munster are back in form and just in the nick of time before they play Leinster next Saturday. Shane Horgan, how's the form? Yeah, good. Back. Everything's sorted. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. I mean, it's one pr- promising performance anyway and things look like they might be starting to click. How much are you reading into this and how much were you reading into the performances up until now, which have been fairly abysmal? I'm probably... Uh, I'm, I'm more hopeful, I suppose. Mm. That, that's why I, I... It's the... the Rugby has boiled down in recent years to uh, you know uh, a massive amount of analysis, and to use the sort of um, the term, the, the data set isn't quite big enough just yet, and we need to uh, see some more performances from Munster. We need to um, see whether you know sort of the shape that I think I can see um, them trying to get in uh, continues, and that was probably the the area of most improvement. Um, I can see they they got into their shape. You can sort of see what they're trying to do. They animated quite well. They had issues with depth and skills under pressure. And generally, their sort of skill set 
um, overall has been what's let them down more than anything. Um, so we need to see an improvement in in that skill set. Now, I have kind of a theory behind why we saw maybe more balls going on the deck and and uh, players, you know, um, just not at the at the level of skill that you would expect. I think it's maybe because the focus has been um, primarily on on the bigger picture, and then mm. you know when you, sometimes when you're focusing bigger picture, you're not as in tune to you know the, the sort of micro skills that, <laughs> that allow you to to do the most basic elements in the game and and they seem to have been a little bit more together in what their shape was and as, as a result um their skills were a little bit better it wasn't a brilliant performance i didn't think i thought it was it was it was much better in the context of, of some really poor games up to this point but there's a big job to do at monster in terms of sort of you know establishing a, a new style that suits their players that then can be implemented against the best teams. And that I think they're still fairly early in that journey. Can you just explain that a little more, that, that theory that they've been too focused on this bigger picture and that's why they've been making smaller mistakes? Well, not necessarily they'd be too focused, but I think they need to be massively focused on it. You know, it's important. And, and I thought, if you look at sort of what Leinster, how Leinster had developed, and by the way, that comparison is probably annoying for you know for a Munster contingent, but it's it is important because they're they're kind of you know they're the key uh, team in this competition, although having not won it last year. But you can see that they are very comfortable with their shape. Even if you look at someone like Ireland, very comfortable with their shape. Munster, you know, I I haven't you know in the last couple of years I haven't well one I haven't been able to see exactly what they're doing. I thought they were. And when I have seen what they're doing, I think it's a little bit behind the curve. I think there's definitely a movement to try and move Munster, you know, further along the um, the path of a you know a, a Leinster, an Ireland, even a sort of an Ulster in terms of their shape. Um, but I thought you know one of the big issues that happens was that um, you know the the depth wasn't wasn't quite right, people overrunning, and again a little bit of inside shoulder passing. So you know I could see that. And um, you know, that's a movement forward. That wasn't necessary, and I need to have a focus on you know what is this monster's way of playing. Um, but when a lot of energy goes into that, um, sometimes you can take your not quite literally, but um, you can take your eye off the ball, and that's where you see silly mistakes being made, or passes go or passes where they, they shouldn't be, or early passes or or drop passes, and you know the general skill set from Munster in the opening weeks of this tournament has been really bad. But they don't all have bad skill set. That makes sense. So I'm trying to figure out what the reason behind it. And that's, you know, just one theory. And Shane, I guess the out half would be filtering more new information than any other position. And it was really noticeable. I can't quite figure out. Carby looked bereft of confidence last week. And I know he's playing a full back, but he hadn't looked good in the other games either. And then this week, he just looked in flow, much more comfortable, challenging his own skill set far more. Is this a Carberry thing or is this that the whole monster setup changed a little bit and it suited him and it started to, the, the game plan started to settle in and bed in a little bit so he looked better? Um, I think um, probably more the latter was his performance at 10 or sort of reaction to playing 15 last year, which or last week, which you know, I don't know the exact circumstances behind it, the conversations that were had behind closed doors, but for Joe Carberry, it, it's not really comfortable. Um, then you've got um, a situation this week where this, the structure was much better. And when you have a better structure as a 10, uh, you've got more time, you've got more options. And we saw him running that sort of 
that lazy line, as it were, behind that first pod or behind the second pod and taking the, the ball again. And I, I still think, I'd see it like to see a little bit more urgency or in a bit a little bit more tempo on the way he plays. And also the sort of decision-making when he gets that ball back. Um, I, I, you know, my concern is that he, he doesn't always take the best option. He's, you know, very often he passes to a man that's in, under a slight, bit more pressure than you would want and I think that's because he doesn't have his all his options you know open to him in his mind at the moment so um while you know, the team playing the way they are is is really useful for him and will let him develop um these two two things maybe coexist you know so if we can see a better shape we can see you know less ball on the deck we can see uh, more tempo and we can see him getting that second touch or or, or even third touch as a 10 then his decision-making in those more difficult, challenging areas uh, will be better. But, you know, this is a very, very important year for, for Joey Carberry, and, and it hasn't started, you know, particularly well. He's had this, you know, sort of, we all acknowledge that an incredibly talented guy, um, expectations were that he would be further on in his career at this point. I think that's fair to say. He hasn't been lucky with, uh, with injury. I don't think the last coaching ticket helped him either. Um, so he's had some challenges, but it's it's delivery time now, and um, you know he'll be certainly happy that with a Ford pack, uh, and indeed the whole team in Munster that looked much more comfortable than they have in the last couple of weeks. But there's a sustained period of improvement necessary for both Munster and for Joey Carberry if he's going to be sort of you know anywhere near the delivery of, of the type of player that we we all wanted him to be and expected him to be a couple of years ago. And actually, it's more than a couple of years ago. It's quite it's quite a period of time ago. Jack Crowley is a really interesting one, isn't he? Because he was incredible on the Emerging Ireland Tour, albeit against awful opposition at times, is clearly fancied by Farrell and Mike Cash. Ron O'Gara wanted to sign him to La Rochelle not so long ago. Munster, well, certainly on Van Rand, just didn't really give him too many opportunities. Every time I see him, I'm excited. I want to see more of him. Is he potentially the answer at 10? I know, again, we're going on a small data set here, but just from what we've seen of him so far, uh, would you be excited at the very least? No, yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good. He's um, he's bright. Uh, he's uh, sharp. Um, his skill set is pretty good. Um, he does bring excitement to the game, which, which you know, it's, it's bizarre to say this, but I think sort of Joey lost a little bit over the, over um, the last couple of years. And you kind of get the feeling that he backs himself. You know, he doesn't have a load of baggage. Um, he's still at the point of his career where, in, you know, I, I reckon he, he you know, very much thinks he should be number 10 for Munster and probably more. So there's a trick here of, of trying to develop this player at the same time of, as giving Joey Carberry sort of ever, every opportunity to blossom into the player that he can, you know, he can and should be, and I think that is quite difficult to do. Especially, you know, it's, it's easier to do if you're in a team that's absolutely flying at the top of the league. You know, that's that's one thing. But you know, if you're struggling a bit, it, it becomes becomes more difficult because you're putting you know tens into a position where. You know they don't feel um, massively, you know, comfortable. They don't feel as if it's their team. I've always found that, you know, the best tens will sort of take hold of it. It'll be their team. They don't want any. They're not happy with sharing it with anyone else. And I'm not sure sharing that ten position is is massively sort of beneficial for the development of, you know, of either player, uh, especially where there's not one that's you know really established and confident in their own ability. And, and I don't think 
certainly Joey's there at the moment. I have to say, looking at uh, Munster at the weekend, that if they're to have a season that now exceeds our expectations, I think it's going to centre around the likes of Crowley, uh, Tom Hearn, amazing when he came on, really good on the Emerging Ireland Tour again. Uh, Dogbo, uh, Coombs, obviously, the sort of younger players that are coming up. They're the ones, it's not just that they're new and we don't know much about them. It's also that they're all quite dynamic and seem to back themselves and make big plays. Like Munster just haven't had players that make big plays in recent seasons, or certainly not enough of them. Yeah, and uh, Dogbo in particular, I thought, he's got got something about him. Over the ball, very strong, you know, for, for a big man he's got a very wide base at rook time as well so um you know able to strip the ball very comfortable in getting down to that um, you know and i think has decent sort of instincts about when to get onto that ball or not tom O'Hearn, you know looks to now be part of of a very very strong second row for for munster and this is how munster sort of get back to the top again but I don't think it's get back in, um, as you said there, Simon, these are very dynamic players. So I don't think it's get back uh, you know, to a basic, um, you know, what, what was perceived as a basic way of playing for Munster, which was very, very many, much um, a physical, you know, one out carries or rolling malls. Yes, you know, strong line out. Yes, they want a, you know, a very a dynamic uh, rolling mall. But I think you're seeing players that are, um, you know, young enough to be influenced by the type of rugby we've seen in the last few years, which it, which means very upskilled, um, you know, very shape orientated, very demanding of your um, of your forwards. So you know, it's not good enough to be, you know, a big uh, bulky, you know, second row who wins his line out and does carry. There's so much more. And in fairness, you know, with the likes of sort of Ty Byrne, that's the shining light for all those players as well, isn't it? You know, he's mm-hmm. going, this is the type of, you, know, you can see the type of player you need to be to be a impactful modern forward. And, you know, Munster have him right there showing them what the rest you need to be. Well, that's it. Like Ty Byrne and Peter Manny to an extent, were an example over the last few weeks of the season that it's not just about, oh, the new coach are putting it down as an excuse that there's a new uh, setup here. They were still performing and, and the likes of Scannell and Archer and others weren't and Kilcoyne. And I, I'm just thinking there's the template there of the, the more established players that, yeah, we're a new setup here, but you can still perform. You still don't drop the ball because you've got three new coaches in. Yeah, there's kind of a, there's a basic standard that they had been off for the last while. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure that was concerning, but I do sometimes, uh, and maybe it's this point of this, you know, new voices and change of coaching and change of ideas and, and different focus. And um, I'm not saying this is a you know like with like situation because it's not. But I always do think back to so Joe Smith coming into Leinster um, for the first um, three games and, and and losing them all. Do you know? And and listen, it wasn't exactly that was cries for his head, but there was definitely you know it was definitely disconcerting. And I'm also not saying that this performance against um the bulls at the, at the weekend you know makes everything right for munster but you would like to think that it's it's some level of progress now ideally um you wouldn't be playing leinster in leinster the next week because you'd probably like slightly you know a situation where you could maybe build on that uh, that shape under slightly less pressure because although you know leinster look very confident at the moment um without you know without looking like absolute world beaters are looking at their you know the very top of their game what Munster will be subjected to next weekend is enormous line pressure 
and and you know big physicality um, in the tackle and around the breakdown uh, with players who know what they're doing. So you know developing that type of shape, which I'm, I'll be speaking about a lot. The hierarchy of it is shape, animation, getting your depth right, and then your your skills under pressure. And you know, there's a big difference between delivering you know the, the pressure that you may be under with some of the sort of you know the uh, the lesser teams uh, in this league or in international rugby and then seeing how difficult it is not just to sort of execute those skills but even to get into the to have the mindset to even try it and that's what I think they're going to come up against um, this weekend against Leinster you could you could spin that I know you said maybe it's not the ideal fixture for them but you could say that Leinster they weren't great against Connacht conditions notwithstanding they could have been beaten by Ulster and they're they're not quite at their best so maybe this is and now that Munster have this confidence boosting win under their belt this mightn't actually be a bad fixture at all yeah I'm not certain Um, (laughs) I I know Leinster aren't 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 playing you know at their top but and this is one of the challenges for Leinster it almost feels like they're, they're sort of holding they have the handbrake half up now, I don't think they're doing that purposefully, but... Surely not after there. last season, though, Shane. No, and what this is the problem, Simon, that, that I actually think that we haven't seen a movement on from last... Remember the conversation that we had a lot last season with Leicester, yeah. going, it's not enough to win the way you're winning in these games. Actually, you have to challenge yourself and play for two or three games at the end of the season. Now, I know that's difficult to do, you know, early early in the season. It's also uh, difficult because the conditions are, are, are different. And it's, a lot, it's a faster track later on in the year, although it's, you know, it hasn't been bad at the, at the very start of the year. Um, so, um, but I, I think they have got into that little bit of a rut where they can dominate, they can dominate the opposition or, or get through games Without challenging themselves to the very, very maximum, and um, that's 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 tricky. You know, that's tricky for them because God, surely, it's, it's surely difficult. the South Africans have changed their mind on that. Well, you know, let's see how they. You know, I don't know if they have. We would probably be having the conversation for actually, it's not even a year. Um, it's maybe a couple of years, and and uh, the fact that the South Africans joined last year and immediately won the competition means that they probably don't have the soft touch of no matter being able to do that the whole way through this competition, but knowing that they definitely couldn't do it in, in um, the uh, Champions Cup. But now, together with that, you've got this uh, championship and, and they came unstuck on it last year as well. So it, it, it's it's really how how deep you're willing to go uh, and how, maybe, how much risk you're able to accept this early in the season by... You know, looking at a at a bigger goal later on in the season, and and Leinster don't seem to have grasped that just yet. Do you think there might be a reordering, not a reordering of priorities? I know the European Cup is the biggest competition, Shane, but just with with the South African uh, the South African teams coming in, winning it last year, uh, sort of setting the cat amongst the pigeons quite a bit. Has that lifted what it should mean to actually win this competition? Because it seems like you know, there's quite a lot of excitement even early on in the season about this. It's it's a better competition than it was, I think, with the South African teams in there. Is it in some ways? And you know, you look at maybe the, the way English rugby is at the moment. Some French teams not necessarily caring about the European Cup. The gap between the two in our perceptions should maybe start changing. It's a tricky one, isn't it? The, the issue that the, um, this championship has is it's so new, and you know people 
uh, desire stuff because you know the, for lots of different rugby uh, reasons in in rugby, but but de- you know definitely one of them is um, is history, and you know that's why you know the top fourteen is what the top fourteen is. There's that sort of, uh, amazing history that comes uh, along with it that means that, that you know to many teams in France it's more important than Europe. Europe is so important in Ireland because it has a special history. Even though a short history, it has a special history within um, you know the, the the provinces in Ireland, and and it's you know seen as the the you know the the, the premier competition, and um, it was also you know for a period like a, you know kind of the most um, um, you know, uh, money spending one. That's the other thing as well. You know the focus on where the money comes from is an important factor. Not so much with fans, but it's it's actually where where the uh, teams commit to. So you're seeing you know France with funding of you know ninety eight million um, versus a uh, Premiership, which is you know at thirty seven million. You know that's why you know the Fra- the French league is uh, one of the reasons why it has that status. Um, I don't think you know um, the URC is sort of immediately going to change that position you know from a from an Irish team perspective and uh, it suddenly becomes you know of the status of of the premiership or the top 14 for those teams but it is really important that we have a you know, that this league uh, develops maintains really actually because it's only been established in its, in this form for for a year and is there, you know, is it a better setup, you know, with this sustained period of games at the start? I think probably yes. It feels as if it's more, uh, there's actually a bit more respect given to it as opposed to, you know, shimmying it around these European fixtures that are, are way more important. Um, and it also forces teams into playing their players because they have to over this period. So, um, listen, the URC, you know, is an important competition. It's developing, but I still think it's quite um, a ways off Europe. And but you know that will build over time. You know, and you know the I suppose the other concern is you know more widely. Um, we see what's going on in the, you know the uh, Premiership in England. Yeah. And that's you know that's really really scary. You know, I you know. I don't want to diminish uh, Worcester Warriors either, but like wasps. No, I know you know, it's yeah. uh, you obviously yeah. played against them. We've 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 had them over to Dublin so, plenty of times. You know, uh, into Ireland, I should say. Most yeah. fans are probably you know saying, "Hang on a second. They, they do. They, they, there's uh, the history of our clubs has been linked with it. it just feels yeah. it kind of feels wrong that they're in the same in that sort of situation. Yeah, they're they are a massive a massive team. You know, the uh, two times uh, European Cup winners. They have. Um, a legacy of of you know amazing players and also not just in the sort of the premier uh, sorry the uh, the premiership uh, league days or even the sort of um, professional days you know going all the way back to you know remember sort of watching them on on you know scrum five and and you know when when I was a sort of a kid growing up you know they were one of the big teams and and you know to lose um, them is is you know it's catastrophic in many ways and I know there's been you know, a lot of talk and people trying to sort of spin it in a positive way, saying that they can go down to a 10-team um, premiership. Well, you know what? You could always have done that. You know, you could always have done it. But you, what you wouldn't have wanted to do it is without one of your very biggest teams, the Wasps. And um, it's, it, it's you know, it's scary. It's absolutely scary because um, it's not as if, you know, those t- two sides are completely outliers in terms of um, the sort of debt that they're carrying as well. So the the fact that we, I'm, I'm speaking about it in context of the URC, um, which obviously is has less sort of private money, as it were, and it's more... Um, you know, so based on on the um, overall administration and the, and the unions, but um, 
is, you know, and therefore may be protected in some way. But because if those clubs go down, it's more catastrophic. Well, there's talk as well amongst the English journals and in some of the papers, Shane, that, as you say, there's other clubs coming down the line. And if you're an cl- English club on the brink and then you're missing out on another, say, two home games this season, so you won't play Worcester or Wasps, that's another couple of home games. There's gate receipts, there's sponsorship and all that sort of stuff. So if you're on the brink, this isn't good news. Your league looks a little bit Mickey Mouse now anyway. Uh, so the sell for all those uh, weaker clubs looks even tougher. And and also for for sort of commercial relationships, you know. So you're going out into a market, whether you're selling the league or you're selling the individual clubs, and you're going, well, it's it's difficult to have sort of meaningful conversations right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're you were a commercial manager in some of those clubs or indeed for the league, and you know, and we also know uh, CBC have ha- have put money in, and we, the expectation was that that would be driving additional, um, you know, um, league uh, revenue. Um, you know, right at the moment, uh, CBC have, have been very quiet since they? all this started. Everybody, you know, it's 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 you know, we see the economies around the world at the moment. Everybody wants stability. You know, everybody wants something that um, to know that you know, the day after, the day after, the day after is going to be similar. You know, and um, you you can't say that right now because um, again. Um, maybe if it was just um, uh, Worcester Warriors, and I'm not, you know, doing a disservice to them, or perhaps mm-hmm. I am, but you know, the brand of Wast is so big and has been so um, meaningful and has had such an impact both in the Premiership and at Europe. So it's a proper aristocratic club that has to shake everyone because if they can go, anyone can go. Mm, that's a bleak enough end to what started as a positive chat today, Shane. Thanks a million. <laughs> thanks a million, lads. Surtout pas être pris hors jeu, pas hors jeu, pas hors jeu, tant pis ça on on s'est du terrain, mais pas hors jeu. Attention le drop, il arrive Le drop de Jonathan Sexton Le drop C'est terrible Terrible Jonathan Sexton à la terre On crucifie l'équipe de France France has been absolutely destroyed Absolutely destroyed Available for Murray. Moves it back down out towards CJ Stander. CJ Stander under pressure, but Italian do have control of it. Midway between the French 22 and the 10 meter line. Checks him with the attempted drop of goal. Outside the 22. Goes towards the post. It's gone towards the post. It's over. Ireland with the drop and goal. It's gone between the posts. Let's drop. The ball is gone. The fellas are just literally on top of each other. Away to the left hand side. France have been absolutely destroyed with the final kick of the game. It's drop and goal. France have been robbed of victory. 82, 83 minutes gone. After start of France, the place has gone mad. Ireland have snatched it from the jaws of defeat. Incroyable. Quel match winner. Quel match winner. Jonathan Sexton à la terre. Oh. Crucifie l'équipe de France. Oh, 
Got an email in here from Brendan McCarthy on Liverpool's win against Man City yesterday. Hi guys, just a quick one. I think it was a foul on Fabinho in the build-up to City's chalked-off goal, but does then ruling it out because of the foul mean that let it flow is entirely redundant? The point in football being to score goals, but if one is scored as a result of letting the game flow, it's always going to be disallowed. Thus, any time the game is let flow, it cannot actually lead to anything, which is, yeah, kind of a philosophical question that we wrestle with in today's football podcast Brendan don't worry about that yeah although it does also close off the path to goals as well don't forget don't forget what doesn't happen as a result of laying it well that's that's what exactly what Brendan is saying no but I mean not just in the sense of the attacking team commits a foul they let it flow then they score a goal then they say oh no actually that was a foul we can't give that goal Mm -hmm. I also mean um, say a team is attacking and the defender makes a foul they let it flow and as a result, the attack doesn't come to anything. Gotcha. But so the attack has been stopped by a foul, which is no longer being punished by the rules. So on both sides, that flow is working against the possibility of scoring goals, uh, privileging defenders over attackers, uh, and giving people an increased uh, incentive to foul. So pretty dumb. Eh? <laughs> it's pretty dumb. We let the conversation flow with Jonathan Wilson <laughs> on today's. Thanks, Simon. On today's football podcast. <laughs> Out now. Thanks, Ken. That episode is available to everyone. You'll have to be a World Service member to hear all our Premier League coverage during the week and our chat with the Rodfather himself. We're going to go and read some more of this book. Thanks, Ken. Thank you very much, Owen. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for listening. Sign up now on secondcaptains.com for daily ad-free pods. The Second Captains podcast is part of the ACAS Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade there's a world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.